Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to With Ministries, Word in the House Ministries. I am your host, Andrea, Minister Andrea Carr. It's so great to see you. Okay, can you see me well? Can you see me? Okay, good. Let me move a little bit this way. So this morning, I appreciate you for tuning in. It's very early this morning. We're looking at 7 a.m. We're back in the building. I am so excited. Thank you to everyone who reached out to me to ask me to return to a broadcast. Um, I appreciate your prayers and your requests. You know, sometimes you just get a little busy and you put things before other things and then you forget to go back to what God called you to do. So I'm excited that uh, he didn't forget about me, um, that um, the commission he gave me was still the commission, <laughs> that it didn't change no matter even if I change and if I change things up. So I'm really excited about that this morning. So today, we're going to be talking from the text, They That Mourn. If you have your Bibles available and ready, please turn to the book of John. We'll be in the 11th chapter. Um, I appreciate you so much again for tuning in. And um, I just want to say a very special shout out to uh, those that are attached to me, those who have been in my life, those that are still in my life, those that I've met for a quick second. I just pray that God blesses you this morning. Um, I felt an unction that I needed to pray for peace. So before I came in, I did pray for peace. And I'm praying that you have peace in your life, peace in your heart, peace in your mind right now. That whatever you're facing, that God will bring you out of it. Amen. Okay, so we're looking at John, the 11th chapter. And we're talking about a story we've talked about many times. And that is the story of Lazarus and the fact that Jesus raised him from the dead. Now, you all may know the story, the backstory. If not, please read uh, from chapter 11, verses 1 through verse, ooh, I think it goes all the way down to 46, okay? Um, in your own reading and in your own time, because I'm not going to go through all of that. <clears throat> Excuse me, God actually gave me uh, something to talk about that, um, I I don't think I've ever talked about, um, and it concerns those who are heavy in their heart, who have had some issues with loss. Um, and so I want to talk to you briefly in our time allotted about that, they that mourn. Um, and we're going to look at verse 21 in chapter 11. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then let's hop, skip, and jump down to verse 32. So when Mary came to the, came to the place where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Father God, we come to you this morning, Lord God, asking that you would cleanse us out, Father God, that you would give us a mind and a heart to hear what thus saith you, Lord God. There are many things that we stand in need of, Father God, so we know that you are Jehovah Jireh, the greatest provider, Lord God, the God who provides. So we're asking that you would provide for us, Lord God. For those who are uh, need a healing, Lord God, we ask that you would come through Jehovah Rapha and heal their bodies, Lord God, their minds, their hearts, whatever needs healing, Lord God. And my special petition goes to those who mourn, Lord God, those who are grieving, Lord God, whether it's the loss of a loved one, Lord God, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, Lord God, loss of income, Father God, loss of friends, Lord God, whatever they have lost, Lord God. I ask that you would come in and be the comforter that you are, Father. Comfort them right now, Lord God, but not only comfort them, give them inspiration and hope for a new opportunity, Lord God, a new opportunity to allow others in their hearts and love to flow, Lord God, that you would release them from the grief. We know that we never forget those that we love, Lord God, but you ease the discomfort and pain that we feel. So I ask for your easement today, Father God. 
Now touch every listener, Father God, every person attached to me right now and give them a peace, Lord God. Blow your Ruha breath, Lord God, so that they would feel at ease this morning, Lord God. We thank you for the word. I ask that you would move through me, Lord God. Forgive me of any and everything that I've done, said, or thought, Lord God, so that you can flow in me and your words flow out of me. Let it be all about you and not about me, Lord God. Take over me. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So we're talking this morning about they that mourn. And we looked at two verses. I'm not going to talk about the whole story of Lazarus. I want you to read that. Uh, John records it in the 11th chapter. And so I want you to take moments to read um, from verses 1 through 46 so you get the whole story of what's going on at that time. My focus this morning is verses 21 and verses 32. Verse 21 says, Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 32 says, so when Mary came to the place where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So we're looking at a time, and let's go back just a little bit, a brief summary where Mary and Martha were friends of Jesus. He had come to their house. Lazarus was their brother. Mary and Martha were sisters. He had come to their house before and spent time. It is said that they were very good friends of his. Martha, rather Mary, is the one who bathed Jesus with her hair, remember? He also was invited to the home where um, the feet were washed and he was sitting back and eating. He broke bread with them. And remember, Martha was busy, busy, busy getting things prepared for the meal she was going to fix Jesus. She was doing all the activities, um, yet she didn't spend time with Jesus. And then she went to him and said, can you release my sister Mary who's sitting at your feet talking with you because she has work to do? And he said, in all actuality, Mary is the right one because she's sitting here where the blessing is, where the blesser is, where the light is, where the teacher is, where the rabbi is. She's doing the things she's supposed to be doing. And we talked for a little bit about being busy about Jesus and actually being in Jesus, being in um, worship and being in the learning and the teaching and everything and not missing it by being so busy doing the works instead of being busy in the word. Remember, we discussed that. So if you'll go back a couple of chapters, you'll hear the story of Mary and Martha and how we didn't want to be Martha and be so busy about working the kingdom that we missed the kingdom when it was right there when God wanted a visitation with you but you were so busy cleaning the church or putting together care packages or feeding or and those things are important but don't get so busy that you miss your time with God that you miss the um, move of God that you miss the command of God the conversation with God is also very important And so we talked about that years ago. And so we may need to revisit that because as the world changes, sometimes it's good to be reminded of what's important. Sometimes we get so busy in the work that we forget to be busy in the conversation with God or the word of God. We get so busy, we don't have time for prayer or Bible study, or reading the Bible, or spending time in worship, or going to church, or listening to the Word, or just being silent and letting God speak to us. We get so busy. And in 2020, when COVID hit, one of the things that happened was that we found time. We found time to spend with our families. We spent time uh, getting our businesses together, writing our business plans. We found time. Time we thought we didn't have. So let's not forget that just because the world is opening, reopening, that we take don't take time to be with family anymore, that we don't have those meals at the table, that we don't sit and, and take a few minutes, at least five minutes a day, I always ask to put together that business plan or work on your business prospectus or whatever it is that you have going on. Don't let the world's reopening push you to forget the very things that God was trying to teach you in 2020, like taking time to self-care, taking time to prioritize yourself, taking time to have fun and to laugh and to live and to learn. Still take those moments. Just put it in your day. If you shape your day, your day can't shape you. 
So you have to take the reins. You have to take control of that time in order to put your things in order. So that way your day will be organized. It's nothing like thinking and giving control to something that doesn't or isn't supposed to have control. So that's what I want to remind you of today. For somebody that's important, you're forgetting everything you learned in 2020. Heck, that might be for me. And you're so busy letting the world tell you and dictate to you what you're supposed to be doing. But 2020 gave you a voice. 2020 told you how to speak out. 2020 taught you what to prioritize. So get back to that. Even if you have to take a few minutes today and every day just to write down in your planner what you have going on. See, I have something for Sunday. And I was laughing because I was like, oh, it's blank. But see, I have my days. This is my daily planner. So I daily write down what I'm going to prioritize. And it's great to have a schedule a week in advance. It really is. But I want to say this to you. Make it realistic. Make any tweaks and changes that you have to make so it's real. Don't over-promise. Not even to yourself. Under-promise, over-sell. So that was for somebody this morning. So let's get here. They that mourn. 2020, what a year. Now, I won't say it's not like we have not had loss in any other year. Because I know for me, I can say I've honestly lost more people than I have fingers and toes to count in my lifetime. Um, there was a time, a point in time when I couldn't breathe because I had so much death in my family. It was one after the other, after the other, after the other. And then we might have a year where I could breathe. Then it'd be one after the other, the other, and the other. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So here I am sitting at the age that I'm sitting at. I no longer have grandparents. I don't have fathers. I've lost aunts. I've lost uncles. I've lost cousins. Um, and so it, 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 friends, really close friends that were closer than family. I've had a lot of loss and throughout that loss, one of the biggest issues to hit was how do I cope? How, how do I cope through the loss of losing people? And sometimes the losses weren't through death. There were some losses I took besides death. In the ending of relationships, whether they were friendships or connections or relationships, and you mourn those, whether it was through divorce or through breakup or through betrayal, whatever it was, there were losses. How do you cope when you love someone and they're no longer there? That 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 is one of the hardest things. It, it it's to me, loss <laughs> is one of the hardest things you go through in life. There are people who lose not only people, but they lose jobs. They lose stability. They lose security. They lose homes. And those are hard to deal with. Loss is hard. And we don't want to minimalize anyone's loss. The fact that you lost anything. You have to heal from it. People may laugh and say, oh, well, you know, you lost. I'm just going to be facetious right now. You lost a pen. Oh, get over it. Loss is loss. If it meant something to you, if they meant something to you, it still hurts. Even if you never talk to the person again, to know that they're no longer here is a hurt. So I pray healing over all your losses. Anything that you're mourning or grieving or affected by or it's hard for you to cope with, I pray for you today. So as we're thinking about losses, verse 21. Now we talked about Martha a few minutes ago because I wanted to remind you of who Martha was. She was the one <clears throat> that was busy about the business of preparing for Jesus, getting the food together and the house together and the chores together. She was preparing for Jesus while her sister Mary was spending time with Jesus, getting the word and being poured into and, and sitting at the, the feet of the wise one, right? So Martha, 
the busy one, the one that Jesus had to correct a little bit, saying, you should be in here. Don't worry about the food and feeding me and all of that. You should be feeding on the word of God, not worrying about feeding food to your body, right? And so Martha says to Jesus, because her brother has died, it's been four days since his death. He's put into the tombstone, into the grave, not the tombstone, in the tomb, put into the grave, and the um, stone has been put in place where, how they bury their dead. He's been dead four days when Jesus comes. Jesus stands at the gate. He doesn't even go into the city yet. Because remember, they were trying to stone him. If you read um, in verse, uh, not verse, but chapter 10, if you go back, they uh, ran Jesus out of time, out of town. Um, so... Um, here he is. He's not supposed to be here. But because this is his dear friend, he comes back. And we're on day four. Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I want to get into something little emotional. It was emotional for me. But I want to share with you in hopes that it will bless you and heal you and give you comfort. Because during this time, it's so important to have comfort and peace. So I understand, Martha. And the reason this is interesting to me is because both sisters said the same thing. You have one sister who was busy about the business of the word. And you had another sister who was busy in the word. You had one who was preparing for the arrival of Jesus and one who was in the arrival of Jesus, who was sitting at his feet, who was, who was there gleaning from him. So you have, and I, I want to break this down so you get it, you have one sister who was doing the work, one sister who was hearing the word. You have one sister who was doing the activity. You had another sister who was not being active, in busy work, but being active in listening and hearing what thus saith the Lord. So what I'm saying to you is you had one sister who wasn't in the word and one sister who was in the word. You had one sister who was in the world and one sister who was in the word. I want you to get this because these are two different perspectives. These are two different areas. These are two different elements happening right here. We have a representation of the believer and a representation of a busy person. I'm not going to call her a non-believer because Martha believed, but she was believing in the wrong thing. She was the one that believed my works will get me into heaven, whereas you had a sister who believed the word will get me into heaven. My works will make everything all right. The word will make everything all right. So you had two different mindsets, two different things going on. And the reason I'm showing and sharing this with you today is because though they had two mindsets, two different beliefs, two different ideas, both had the same question, the same outpouring, the same wording, the same idea. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I'm sharing that with you because whether you are a believer, whether you are in the world, there are times that we go to God and ask, why? Why did this happen? Had you been here, had you answered me, had you listened to my prayer, if you had heard my pouring out of my heart and my wails and my weeping and my tears, this situation wouldn't happen. If you are really God, why did this happen? If you truly have power, how could this have happened? How could you have allowed this to happen? That's where I want to bring you to today. Because as I read this, Martha represents the busy person. The person who may not have time for God. The person who may not believe fully in God. The person who has some doubt, like doubting Thomas. This person is in more in the world than they are into the world. They may be hopscotching back one side in the world, one side in Christ. 
But then you have the representative, the believer, the one who reads the word, who who reads the Bible, who does Bible study, who teaches and preaches, who lays on of hands, who heals, who knows the scripture backwards and forwards and can quote you any scripture in the Bible and breaks down and exegize it. I think that's how you say it. See, here I go putting words in. Who who breaks it down and, 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 and uh, speaks it to people who may preach in the pulpit, who may go and feed the homeless, who may be this person that's just in the word and carries the cross daily picks it up and carries it daily come on now two representatives and i never saw it before but when god wants you to see a thing god will help you see a thing and he showed me that there may be two mindsets one that's heavy into the word and one that's heavy in the world but we all have some of the same questions We may have some of the same ideas. And so God wanted to share today through me. Things happen regardless if you're in the world or you're in the word. See, death is guaranteed. Loss is guaranteed. You won't always have the things or the people or the places you started with. You may live in the same town, be in the same house that you were born in, but there's a guarantee that 40 years later, there's going to be some change. Whether your neighbors around you change or the house changes because you've built it up or it has fallen down. Whether the people who shared the house with you are still there or they're gone now, there are going to be some changes in your life. And as those changes happen, There may be some mourning. There may be some question. There may be some doubt. Because God, if you are truly who you say you are, if you are the master of the world, of the entire world, if death and life you control, if you can just speak a thing and it becomes... If you truly are King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if you truly are Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides, if you truly are Jehovah Rapha, the Father that heals, the Lord that heals, if you really are Jehovah Nisi, the one that goes before us, if you really are who you say you are, Elohim, Adonai, You are who you are, the great I am that I am. If you are truly this spirit with all this power, why? Why death? Why that one? Why at that time? How could a Lord, a Father, a God who loves his people, who loves his children, watch as... A hundred people die in an avalanche or three children get raped or people are displaced. How, Father, the one of love, the Father who loves and forgives and who has mercy and favor, how would you allow these things to happen? So, are you here? Because the word says that you're everywhere all at once. The word says that you know things before time and in time, way in the future. So if you are who you say you are and we are to believe it, how in our mind do we believe that you are who you are when these bad things happen? How did you take this person? How did you allow this person to go through that tragedy? How do you allow me to not go, um, uh, not to get the promotion? If you really are who you say you are and you said, if I pray and ask that you will deliver it, that you will give it. Why? When I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, why did it happen? Why did he or she still die? Why did I lose that house? Why did I lose my car? Why did I lose my job? Why were my children suffering? Why, God? If you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. We first have to look at those real emotions before we can go further into the text. We have to see real emotion, how we really feel, what's really true in our minds, in our hearts, things that we may never say to a person, but God knows what we think. God knows what we feel. So today we are bringing it out. We're talking about it. God, how? How could you allow this? Why would you allow this? I remember December 2004, as if it were yesterday. I had gotten the second call to go see my dad, the one who raised me, Daniel Cameron, the one who my mother and I married. She just reminded me of this when I was at her house um, the day before yesterday. When my parents married, and this would be my bonus dad, who I don't call stepfather, and it, it, it irritates me to have to use that terminology, but I use it to differentiate between him and my biological father. We were sitting, my mom was talking to me, reminding me when I was six that I married my dad because we were at the courthouse getting married on Valentine's Day. Yes, we. Um, my dad had already asked if it would be okay for him to marry my mom. And I was like, of course, sure, yeah. And so we go to the courthouse for the wedding ceremony and it was filmed. So I was on TV at the age of six. <laughs> and as it was being filmed, the uh, um, judge, you know, uh, the court official was, you know, doing the ceremony. And so the words that the bride would say to the husband, I was saying. So they laughed and they said, well, you have married your daughter. You two are now bound to each other for life. She is your daughter. She has said, I do, to being your child. And they laughed about it. And my parents, of course, laughed about it. But when I thought about it, that was a true statement. Because when someone chooses you, right? You make a choice together to be bound together. And that day, um, in 1979, as a matter of fact, before I turned seven, I chose to be the daughter to this man and he chose to be the father to me. And we said, I do. Now, we're not going to talk about everything that happened between that time and how I was a rebel and, and just who so much happened. Um, we found our way back. Well, he never left. It was me. Kind of like God, how we leave God and say, oh, God left me, but God is right there. We're the ones that walk away. So I kind of walked away from the relationship because I had my own issues, daddy issues, biological father issues. Um, but we became very, very, very close. We had started out close and then there was a gap because of my, my, my choices and rebelliousness in, in, in the child's mind. And then we came back together and got closer than we had even been in the beginning. So December 2004, I got the phone call. Um, if you want to see your dad before he passes, you need to come. Um, I had just learned the month before that he had been diagnosed with stage four cancer. And so I was just like, what do you mean? Now, I didn't have a close relationship with God at this point. Um, my relationship actually with God came after <laughs> all of this. Uh, I came in 2005 and um, on. So here in 2004, December 2004, I didn't have a close relationship with God, but I knew Bible stories. I knew where to find things in the Bible. I knew that um, you could pray and ask God for things. I just didn't know how to pray at this point. I told you I knew two prayers, the Lord's Prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. If I ever was called to pray at church, my mom would give me one of those little prayer booklets. I got to find those. Those were so on point. And um, I have a friend who wrote a book, Nish Eileen. Well, Tanisha Tuck, that's her real name. She wrote a book called The Ebbs and Flows of Prayer, Everyday Prayers for Everyday People. It's on Amazon. And this helps me to this day because there are times when there are things going on and you need a little help in, in praying. 
Not that you don't know how to pray because trust me, I know how to pray. <laughs> I prayed to learn how to pray. Um, and my prayers get through. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I, I know my power in prayer. But there are times sometimes when you're just over it, when you're sick, when you're laying down, when you're not feeling your, you know, your everything that you can pick up a book and see this is called help when you might need help. So it wasn't meant to be a plug, but Tanisha E. Tuck, the ebbs and flows of prayer, everyday prayers for everyday people. I keep it right by my bed so that way. If there are times that I need to pray or I feel an unction to pray, but yet I don't have words. Though the Holy Spirit will give you words, there are also other resources that you can use. Sometimes a moan is a prayer. Sometimes weeping is a prayer. That's for somebody. So all I knew was I loved my dad. I was pregnant with my third child and I needed my dad. I needed him. I know I had made choices that kind of separated me from my family. I didn't want them in my business. I, 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 I went through that stage a couple of times in life where I made a choice and I felt the, I was trying to think of the thing that happens, the backlash, thank you, Holy Spirit, of the choice. So I would remove myself because I never wanted to see or hear, I told you so or be a disappointment again. <laughs> you know, when you're that person who disappoints people, you don't want to disappoint them again. Give them more fuel for the fire to look at you like, mm, 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 can't you ever get it right? And so we had not really spoken. Um, and it was that phone call, you know, that he had staged for cancer where I was like, I need to make some changes. I didn't know how to pray, but I knew that I wanted my dad to live. I didn't want to lose him. He meant too much to me. So I prayed and I was like, Lord, please save my dad. Um, heal him. Take this cancer away from him. I didn't know in Jesus's name and to plead the blood and all. I didn't know any of that. But from my heart, I prayed and I asked God, please don't take him. I'm sorry that I've taken him for granted. Not my dad. So December, I'm um, about to say, yeah, 2004. I was about to say 2024. Uh, 2004, we went to the hospital. Uh, my sister, my brother got there. Uh, other brothers and siblings came. Um, but at that moment in time, my sister and I got there at the same time. My sister, Regina, uh, we got there at the same time. I can't even remember. I believe we rode the train together. That's what it was or something like that. I, look, I can't, I cannot even remember. I just remember being at the hospital and talking to him and asking him to not leave me. And I remember um, praying and asking God, excuse me one second, praying and asking God to um, help. Because <laughs> I really didn't know what else to say. I didn't know what to pray. So I was just like, don't take my dad. Uh, we left the hospital. The one thing I did do that I heard in my spirit, and I didn't even know it was my spirit. I had no idea. Was to tell him that I named Danielle for him. That his name would go on. Because that's how much he meant to me. And leaving the hospital... I remember we were outside and it was snow and there was a family of deer by my car or the car I was driving. I believe I was driving. See, I can't even remember. Oh, I can only remember bits and pieces. There was a family of deer. It was a buck. That's the daddy, right? It was a doe. That's the mom. And it was two babies. The buck had big antlers and I had never ever seen deer that close. Now, in Jersey, I have to tell you, we have mountains. So it's common to see deer. It's not, but I think it's a magical experience, like seeing a unicorn every single time. But to see a family of deer, and then they were that close to my car. They were right there. And I was just like, wow. And I watched them go off, and I remember that. And we got to the house, and we walked in. We walked up the stairs. We sat down. The phone rang. 
and I answered the phone and they told me my dad was gone I threw myself on the steps I remember that because I I, I, mm-mm, I couldn't believe I had asked God I had prayed I said please don't take my dad and I meant it with everything in my heart because I wanted to spend more time with him I wanted the kids to really get to know him Isis had known him because she was older but I had a D'Angelo who wasn't yet a year old and I had a new baby coming and I was just like Lord I have no dad now mind you my biological father was alive and I um, give him all due respect but the relationship I had with my dad he and I were like this and I wanted my kids to be able to laugh at his jokes to hear his stories of growing up like I did, to spend time with him, for him to teach them how to tell time and how to write in cursive, all the things he did for me. And he was gone. Mm. And for the second time in my life, I became angry with God. The first time, it was something very similar to this. Growing up, my great aunts raised me. My mom had gone through a divorce from my biological father. She had gone back to school to get her nursing degree. She worked a full-time job in a hospital. So it was very difficult for her to care for me because she was either at school or at work. And so my aunts stepped in, my aunts Mary and Phyllis and my uncles Doc and Ed. I had an aunt Frances and aunt Georgiana. Um, my Uncle Butch, too. Uh, he lived in the house. Um, Mary, Phyllis, Doc, Ed, Butch, and uh, Francis lived in a house together. And then my Aunt Georgiana lived maybe like 10 blocks away. It was really close. So growing up, I was raised by the village. And I was especially close to my Aunt Phyllis. My Aunt Phyllis taught me how to bake when I was five years old. Um something I held dear because when I turned 12 I was baking professionally (laughs) they were like wow you don't use box cake like I didn't begin using box cakes until I became lazy in my 20s I used to cook from bake from scratch I didn't know how to cook but I knew how to bake and that's because of my aunt Phyllis my aunt Phyllis was my mom I'm just gonna be uh, for real my mother knows it she will tell you that she's like yeah that was her mother like anything I needed anything I had a question about I went to my Aunt Phyllis, and the crazy thing was I would sit on her lap. I was her peach, so there's no question that I was one day going to move to Atlanta, right? Home of the peaches. That was her nickname for me since I was little little. Even as a grown adult, I used to sit in her lap and just hug her. She's who taught me how to love, how to laugh at yourself. It took a long time for the laughing at yourself piece of what she taught me to get to me. But she taught me how to laugh at myself and how to be silly, how to embrace laughter. And I would need it because laughter healed me from so many things that I went through in my life. I needed laughter. Um, She was my everything, really. And truly, when I say that, like, she was my mom. And so she was diagnosed with cancer colon cancer of all things and I was I had never even heard of that I had heard of breast cancer and lung cancer but I didn't know about colon cancer and so I was in Atlanta it was as if she was waiting for me to get to Atlanta for her to decide okay God you can take me now she stopped eating and doing the things that she was supposed to do in order to heal her from the cancer and nobody told me They kept it a secret. Now, I used to call my aunts every Sunday. Every Sunday, I would dial that number. And I would call them and talk to them. Now, this is when calling on the phone costs money. This was my house phone. This wasn't a cell phone. Even then, cell phones, remember, only on weekends did we get free calls. But my aunts were old school. So I would call them. And they were like, oh, we don't want you to pay for the call, so we'll call you. (laughs) We would stay on the phone two and three hours at cost. So people can't even stay on the phone these days for five minutes for free. 
for that cost, my aunts would call me back. They never wanted me to spend my money calling them. And we would stay on the phone two and three hours talking. And so I would call and then they would be like, oh, your Aunt Phyllis, uh, she's at the church because my uh, aunt was part of the pastor's aid. And as she was a part of the pastor's aid, she would always be at church cooking or helping the pastor of the church doing whatever. She was the president. And so I'm like, every time I call on a Sunday, I can't get her. And eventually they had to tell me, um, your aunt has cancer. We didn't want to worry you. Well, you know what happened immediately when I found out I went to New Jersey. And my aunt was always a big, tall woman. She reminds me of Medea. I'm going to be very honest with you. She has the frame and the body shape of Medea. And she was just as buck wild, too. Uh, she would love you and curse you, okay? Um, and so when I went there, this big woman whose lap I sat in was 80 pounds. And I lost it. And I couldn't handle it. And I was like, okay, uh-uh, let's eat. And the crazy thing was she didn't want to eat the entire time. But when I got there, she ate. So I blamed myself a little bit. I was like, had I known this, I could have gotten her to take the treatments and to eat. And she would have lived. And, you know, I've had that battle. And a lot of us go through guilt as we're grieving. And so when she passed, oh, <laughs> when she passed. I was angry at God because again, God and I didn't have a relationship. This was in the nineties. God and I didn't have a relationship, but I knew that there was a supreme being that I went to church to, uh, for every week where I knew Bible stories where he healed people. Cause I read them. You didn't heal my aunt. So I didn't talk to God for years. I refused. I refused. I didn't want to hear anything about God. I turned my back on him. I was angry. And the reason I'm sharing this this morning, because there's some real emotions that happen when we grieve. I just told you, sometimes we feel guilty. I didn't spend enough time. I felt guilty because I hadn't told her I loved her. And I don't remember the last time I had ever said I love you to my aunt. But when she passed away, that changed everything in my life. Now, anytime I talk to any of my loved ones, I tell them, I love you. Love you, love you, love you. Because I need you to know. Even if we're angry at each other, with each other, even if we're not speaking, I still love you. One of the rules my mother had in the house was when you woke up in the morning, regardless if you had an attitude with anybody or you thought your poop didn't stink that morning, you were to say good morning. And that's something that I've carried down to my children and my children do it too. Good morning. It's a sign of... I'm st I still have favor with you even if I'm angry with you. I still love you. And we say, I love you. We could talk on the phone 12 times a day. 12 times we're going to say, I love you. And I mean that because I carried that guilt for so long. I was like, did, did my aunt know I loved her? Because I was so hard-headed and, and so angry for a lot of my life and so rebellious. And she would be like, up here <laughs> with me. She never gave up on me. And that meant something. And I was like, did she know I loved her? Because I never told her. I don't remember telling her. I remember hugging her and being all like this and, you know, kissing her on her cheek, all over her head. and that. But did she know I loved her? And I carried that. One of the things when a person leaves that you think about, what was the last thing I said to them? Was it in anger? Do we have angry words? And we hold that. We hold that guilt. And so I'm here to tell you my part of my story, a part of my story today, so that you know to release that guilt. They knew you loved them. They know. They also know that you might have been angry with them, but they look at the big picture. They know. They know. They know. That's all I keep hearing the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying to you what Andrea knows. I'm telling you what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is saying to you. The Holy Spirit is saying this morning, they know. So let go of that guilt. Even though you were angry, even though you said some disrespectful words, even though 
you didn't say I love you as much as you may have wanted to. Even if you may have never said I love you. Even if you didn't hug, they know. So release that guilt right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, for those that are listening to this message, I ask that you would heal them in the areas that they hold guilt, Lord God. That you would help them to release it right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. That they would be released and be able to walk in peace, knowing their loved one knows how they feel and how they felt. In the name of Jesus, amen. I felt a heaviness there. Okay, I have a few minutes left, so let's, let's, let's get to it. There comes a point where some of us are angry with God, and we blame God. If you were all-powerful, all-knowing, able to do anything, leap tall buildings at a single bound, because sometimes we put superhero on God. Why did you not spare my family member? And I had that question twice. These are the two times I was, can I be honest with you, 100%, I yelled at God. I still get emotional. How? How could you take this person when there are other people in my life that I don't really like too much? <laughs> I'm being honest with you. How could you take the heart of me? How? Especially now when I need them more. I said the same thing for my aunt. And the same thing for my dad. I need them. How could you take them? I yelled. I screamed. Oof. And you know what God said to me? Nothing. He was silent for years. And then one day, I was driving. In the car, by myself, no music on. And I heard God's voice as if he was sitting in the car with me. I'm going to try to get through this. He said to me, if he had stayed, this was about my father, but it also was the answer to my aunt. Now, remind, remember, my aunt passed away in 97, was it? Whenever I turned 25, I, I, I always get it mixed up, but I was 25 years old when I lost my aunt. 2004 is when I lost my dad. And he said, had he stayed, his body would not have been the same. His mind would not have been the same. He would have suffered. Would you rather hold on to him suffering or would you rather release him so that he could have total peace? No more hurt, no more uh, the uh, respirator, no more of that because he would not have been the same. I had to pull over. And that day, I began healing from both of them. God said, would you rather them suffer because they would not have been the same? Well, he said he, but it was they. When you love someone, truly love someone, when you love them, you don't want them to suffer. You want them to be healed. We want them healed here on earth because God is able. But God sees fit and he does know all. So he knows if I leave this person there, they're going to be a shell of themselves. And you're going to have to take care of them. And that's not what they want. The other thing is that he told me later in regards to my aunt, this is recently. He told me this in 2020. You would not be the woman you are today if she had stayed. If I had kept her there, you wouldn't be walking into the promises I had for you. Because she was a crutch that you had for many years. She was your crutch. And you didn't have to go and do because you could rely on her. And I needed you to rely on me. Yep, had that talk in 2020. 
I can't tell you why God took your loved one. I can't tell you. Every answer is different. But I can tell you this. If you pray, he eventually will answer you. If you pray, he will give you insight. I don't know when. For me, it took years before I got the answer to why did you allow my loved one to leave, to die, to no longer be here. But he did respond to me. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. John 11, 21. John 11, 32. Mary and Martha both cried out to, to Jesus, to God, and said, if you had been here, they would, Lazarus would still be here. And many of us cry out, Lord, if you had shown up, they could have been healed. Lord, if you had shown up, they wouldn't have had to have died. Lord, if you had shown up and answered my prayer, this situation wouldn't have happened. Lord, if you had shown up and put your hand on it, I wouldn't have lost my home or lost my job or lost my limbs or been in that accident or I wouldn't have gone through that rape or I wouldn't have gone through that molestation. I can't tell you why. God allows some things to happen. But I can't tell you that he knows. And somewhere down the line, he will reveal to you why. But you know, I need you to know in your heart that there is a bigger purpose to the situation. He's not being cruel, though it feels like it. He's being intentional about you. So even though you may go through hurt, loss, pain, there's a bigger picture. Some of the hurt and pain we go through is so that we can tell it to someone else who may not be able to handle it. You may have been strong enough to go through and the person beside you isn't. So your strength is what they lean on. And God needs that. There's some areas in our lives where we have a purpose that if we had not gone through what we had gone through, we would never walk in. And God knows this. So he makes the hard call and says, I have to remove that person. I have to remove that situation. I have to remove that opportunity. Because I need you to go through the fire. But as you go through the fire, you will not be burned. Though it feels like you are burning. It feels like you are dying. But God is saying, I need you to go through this so that you might live. And not just survive, but live abundantly. Because of the call on your life. It doesn't feel good to go through loss. Martha and Mary didn't feel good losing Lazarus but in that question there was a strength that they got even before the miracle happened because they received a miracle many of us don't and I'm here to talk to your heart today that you might be angry you may hold guilt you may hold um, resentment bitterness today I want you to make moves in releasing it knowing that there is a bigger picture oh it doesn't not hurt <laughs> it hurts a lot it still hurts as you see I can't even I try to get through it but losing my aunt and losing my dad were the two biggest losses I've ever had well I had another but we'll talk about that another time three big losses and all three hurt all of them hurt every person I've lost has hurt but there are three losses I've had that crippled me for a while. But you get through it. I still miss my dad. I still miss my aunt. As a matter of fact, I still call them. Sometimes I dial the number. Sometimes I just talk to them like, oh, daddy, seriously. Now, 
I need you to talk to God. <laughs> While you're up there uh, praising him all day, take a five-minute prayer break, praise break. And uh, can you tell God this? Because he's not listening. Or I talk to him. The kids uh, you would do cards, and we'd get a balloon and send them up to heaven. <laughs> so maybe in your healing, you feel like you want to talk to them, and you can't. Yes, you can. Even dial them on the phone. Just pick up the phone and be like, hey, what you doing today? Guess what happened to me? I got some news to share. Can I be honest? When I wrote my first book, I talked to my family. <laughs> talked to my dad and my aunt. Like, hey, I'm making you proud. Look, 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 look. They that mourn will be comforted. Now, that has a whole lot of meanings. There are a lot of different things you can say for that, but I want to be really black and white. Let's not go deep because that definitely talks about forgiveness and all of that, and we're not going to go into that right now. I want you to hear this. They that mourn will be comforted. Take it right there. God will comfort you. He will send people to comfort you. But first... You need to be honest with him. If you're angry, let him know. If you're hurt, if you're holding guilt, the only way healing can happen is when you're open and you're honest. You're honest about your emotions and you're open to being healed. That's the only way it can work. It begins there. It begins with you. God doesn't come in to do anything that you don't ask him to do for you. Now, you know, I'm not talking about death and all that. I'm talking about when you want a relationship with him, he doesn't force it. When you want forgiveness from him, he doesn't force it. You have to open your mouth and say, Lord, and then whatever it is, forgive me, heal me, help me. I'm in pain. And then you have to be open to the process of mourning, the process of healing, the process You have to be open. You may need to go see somebody, speak to someone, counseling, therapy, your um, church leaders. You may only need to have certain people around you. I could talk about this story where there were the mourners who were around Martha and Mary who followed them and their job was to cry with them, to be with them. And sometimes we have people crying and moaning that we don't need around us because we're trying to be healed and they're still keeping us in our death clothes Um, in the black, all black, and we're trying to wear white because we feel a little jubilant and they're trying to keep us grieving. You got to know the right people to have around you during your process of grieving. There's sometimes you don't want to grieve. There's sometimes you don't want to think about it. So people asking you how you feeling, how you doing, um, how's the loss affecting you, you don't want to hear that. You'd rather hear, oh, did you hear Mary J's new song? And that's real. But you won't know these things until you take the time to process What is it that you need? And don't let people push you. Don't let them push you to get over grieving. And don't let them push you into grieving. We all handle death loss differently. Find out what you need. This is about you and your healing. Say that more. Sometimes because a person is not directly connected with us, we forget about those people who had a connection. They may have not lost their father, but they lost their co-worker. They may not have lost their aunt, but they lost their teacher. Say prayers for those people who are outside your family that have a loss. Just like you lost, someone else lost them too. So always pray for one another. Pray for each other. But take your time and never let anyone force you to go past it. But I need you to have some honest conversations. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Have those honest talks with God so he can help you to heal. Whew, this was a hard one. Thank you for tuning in today to Word in the House Ministries. I love you. I thank you for your support. You are awesome. And you're going to get through this. I promise you. I promise you. It gets easier. It never gets easy. It gets better. It's not the best. Because at the best, we would have them here. But God knows what he's doing. So tune in next week. We'll talk about what thus saith the Lord. I, I, I'm so grateful to you. Thank you for sharing your time and, and, and with me. Um, 
Thank you for allowing me to release. See, I needed to heal some more. This is something that's never ending because I truly loved my family. The two that left, I, you know, I'm the ones I spotlighted. I love them all, but those two were my mom, like person, and then my dad. So it-